Hey, coming up in Endpoint Zone episode 1804, we're going to take a deep dive into co-management with Configuration Manager and Microsoft Intune. We're going to take a look at the innovations in Defender and why Defender has now become the most commonly used antivirus, anti-malware in the enterprise. We're going to look at some important changes to uh, conditional access inside of Microsoft 365. And we're going to talk about new releases such as the ability to conditional access against your Exchange on-prem servers and the new company portal. Hey, welcome to the Endpoint Zone with Brad Anderson. This is episode 1804. It's been uh, another pretty busy month in the world of uh, enterprise mobility and management. Huge month. Huge, absolutely. Um, starting off the show, though, there was some um, news around our Defender results that I think we should share. Yeah, for the first time, we actually started to publish some of the numbers about usage and what we're seeing in the enterprise in terms of usage of, of, uh, of our antivirus. And so let's kind of look at a couple of the couple of the slides that I put together to kind of walk people through what we announced. So first of all, you know, there's a there's a number of these external organizations. You know, AV Test is one. There's another one called AV Comparatives, and they do this analysis every month where they go and they take a look at these zero day, you know, new viruses as well as you know viruses that are existing but morphing, and they go and run all of that antivirus vendors through a suite of tests, and then they give everybody a score, like, you know, how well did you defend, how well did you not defend. So if you take a look at this right here, you can take a look at, at, at this is the results from one of them. Um, this is from AV Comparables. And this is giving you a view of what Microsoft scores. Did we protect or did we not protect for the last, you know, two, two and a half years? Mm -hmm. And you can see, you know, back in, back in March of 2015, we weren't real happy with where we were at. You know, we were down in 85%. But you take a look, you know, we... We substantially changed how our antivirus works. Mm -hmm. You know, shifted from the traditional signature-based model to really using a lot of, of cloud intelligence, AI, machine learning. You know, and today what we see is about 96% of all of the, uh, the viruses are polymorphic. You know, so literally what that means is every time we see it is different. You mm -hmm. only see it once in, in, in its instantiation and then it changes. And so you now have to have the power of the cloud backing this software. And so as we've just changed how we operate and how we engineer our antivirus, you can see just how rapidly the results went up. And, and we've been super pleased with that. And you can take a look, we've been hovering around 100% for, for, you know, for close to two years now. This right here is the actual results from November and December of last year. And for us, this was a milestone um, uh, uh, month for us because we scored 100% against the zero-day malware attacks as well as the widespread and prevalent malware that, that had been recently discovered. You know, to get a perfect score of 100 and 100 in both those areas, you know, that for us was a, was a celebratory event because, you know, it's just as an external perspective, an external, you know, proof that, that we're doing a great job mm -hmm. in it. And then if you take a look here, this is, you know, the AV uh, Comparatives test um, that shows all of the antivirus providers, and this is the test for February. And you can see how everybody scored, and, you know, hi I've highlighted Microsoft was there at 100%. You know, one of the really cool things about this is for the last five months, and this is the first time it's ever happened for any provider, mm -hmm. Microsoft has scored 100% in the last five months. Wow, I think that just shows how serious we really are about making our anti-malware protections that much of a leader for us. Yeah, and it's interesting, you know, if I go back to that, that, that test, those results we were looking at a few minutes ago, in November, you know, if you look here, we scored 98.9%. You know, one of the fascinating things about this is, had they been using the entire Defender stack, so things like Credential Guard and Application Guard, mm -hmm. we actually would have scored 100% because the one issue that we got dinged on would have been blocked by, by the Defender stack. You know, so I take a look at that and go, you know, if the test itself was just a little more broad and really was more comprehensive, because customers deploy the full stack, mm -hmm. it would have been another perfect score. 
Now, this is, this is you know, um, maybe the most interesting data point that we published that I've got a lot of feedback and a lot of questions about um, and a lot of positive feedback on specifically. These two numbers that we published. First of all, what we said is we see in the telemetry, you know, all of the Windows devices that are, that are reporting back through Config Manager and back through the Windows, um, you know, the Windows system. And what we see is on Windows 7 and Windows 8, that 18% of the devices in the, in the commercial organizations are using Defender as their antivirus. But if you look at that same query and say and ask the question, of all the Windows 10 devices that are commercially deployed, what percentage of them are using Defender? Mm -hmm. It's more than 50%. Not 51% either. It's more than 50% in a, in, a, in a significant way. So well over half of the commercial organizations now on the planet, half of the devices that are deployed in commercial versus consumer are now using Defender as their antivirus, as their anti-malware. Wow. That's actually kind of staggering when you think about it because the, the history has been that people will replace it with some other anti-malware product, but now that need is just dissipated. Yeah, and so, you know, the question that, I, that, that I've often got on this, and I've, I've shared this data point with customers as I've talked with them for the last year, the question is why? Mm -hmm. What's happening that as organizations are moving from 7 and 8 to 10, they're also moving to Defender as their antivirus? And, I, and, I, you know, and, and as I've spoken with many of these customers, and as we've looked at um, you know, all the research we've done, it really is these, these five reasons. You know, first of all, as you see in the results, Defender's fantastic. Mm -hmm. It is a world-class defense system, and, and I think we've done phenomenal work on that. The second, it's easier and cheaper to maintain. You know, the core thing here to understand is Defender in the enterprise is built on top of Config Manager. It is not a separate infrastructure to manage and deploy. Mm -hmm. And so for most organizations, once the CISO organization has approved Defender, IT loves it because they can retire an entire infrastructure from their organization. They don't have to maintain a separate antivirus, anti-malware infrastructure. It's just Config Manager. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you, I remember several years ago when we, when we moved from the solution that we were using to Defender, this is like you know, 10 years ago now, um, we didn't have to deploy a single server at Microsoft mm -hmm as we loaded Defender on top of Config Manager. Wow, that was actually pretty staggering. It was awesome. I mean, yeah. I remember that, that was like one of those days that internally we just celebrated because it was just so amazing. You know, you think about how we help IT to be more efficient. IT's always being asked to do more with less or more with the same. And we can simplify, and this message of simplification is something you're going to hear us talking about time in and time out. It's, IT has to simplify. Mm -hmm. The only way IT can secure in the threat of the modern threats is you have to simplify. That'd be reason number two. Reason number three, it enables IT to be more agile. Mm -hmm. You know, when we release a new version of Windows, Defender is a part of that, so you're ready to go on day one. And, and, and all too often, some of our partners have just not moved fast enough. Mm -hmm. So when RS3 oh. came out, you know, sometimes some of our antivirus partners have taken, taken months in order to approve that and in order to, to, to verify that it works. You're more agile now because you can move to the new version of Windows on day one, yeah. on day zero. And I must admit, I have heard that as a, a consistent I have piece of feedback. They I are, have to. It's just not fast enough. Well, you know, the move to the cloud, the move to these modern management principles, everybody has to change their game mm -hmm. because it's, a, it's just different. It's different than what we've done for the last 20 years. You know, the fourth thing is, is it offers a tremendous user experience. You say, well, wait, you say, well, wait a minute, Defender and end user experience. Is yes. there an end user experience? That's the key. Yeah. A great end user experience in some cases is there is no end user experience. Mm -hmm. And so I remember when I was running the Defender team several years ago, we put so much focus on to making sure it just blended into the background. It wasn't draining the battery. It wasn't obtrusive. Mm -hmm. And so it's that, it's that, it's that super interesting um, mix of defend and protect, mm -hmm. but do in a way that's unobtrusive to the user. And I think that the team had really cracked that. And then finally, uh, it's just a part of Microsoft 365. And you know, we're going to talk about some of the customer visits that I've on recently, but this mantra of, hey, we're moving to Microsoft 365 because I want that integrated stack. 
organizations know that as they get the Microsoft 365 offering from Microsoft, we've done the work to integrate it top to bottom, it's easier, it's more secure, it's more simple. I think these are the reasons. But you know, it is now, Defender, the most commonly used anti-malware, antivirus in the enterprise and commercial organizations, period. You know, the fourth point on there is the one that for me really hits home. When I used to be a, an IT admin and our help desk used to take calls from customers um, inside of the organization, the number one complaint was, why is my machine slowing down whilst yeah. there's a, a, an anti-malware gun running in the background? Yeah. And Defender just takes that problem away from me. So why wouldn't I want that? Yeah, I remember several years ago talking to some of the, um, the leaders of these, of these um, particular uh, antivirus test organizations. And one of the questions I like to ask them is, well, what do you use on your PCs? Mm -hmm. And well, we use Defender, yeah. right? Um, so it's good. I, I think that's a, that's a great, great um, data set. And more than anything, what I often hear from organizations and leaders is, tell me what the rest of the world is doing. Tell me what the standard is. Mm -hmm. Defender is now the standard in commercial organizations, and it's the standard in, in consumer as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So speaking of um, talking to customers, mm -hmm. last week you were uh, down with a bunch of our customers and partners in Australia. Yep. Um, what kind of things did you learn from the customers that you were with down in Australia? Yeah, there are a couple of things that I, that I walked away with. And you know, it's one of the reasons I get out and spend, you know, it's about a week every other month out with, um, with customers, with partners in our field is, it just keeps me grounded. I get a chance to pick up on trends and learn different things that we could be doing. Um, the biggest thing that I walked away from is there's just so much consolidation and alignment happening. You know, we've talked for a couple of years about this, this alignment that we see happening inside of IT where we see what had been disparate teams. And so like the office team and the desktop management team and the identity team and the mobile device management team all coming together under one organization. Yep. Um, I often hear that called modern workplace. Down in Australia, they call it the digital workplace. Mm -hmm. But as a part of this digital transformation, you see this unification where IT is saying, if we're going to think about delivering that fantastic end user experience end to end, all the people involved in that really need to be brought together. Yeah. And one of, the, one of the most interesting things that I picked up on this was one of the organizations you know, mentioned to me, one of the leaders, this end user organization, this modern workplace, has more power and influence in the company than they've ever had before. And I'd never heard it said that way. I'd sensed that, but I'd never heard it said that way. And if you think about it, in this modern environment, in the modern workplace, users' expectations and users' needs about that fantastic working experience are high. Mm -hmm. And so IT and, 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 and leaders, executive leaders and companies are understanding that you have to deliver that wonderful modern workplace and that work experience or your users will go somewhere else. Yeah. And so my, you know, like one of my big messages to everybody watching this, the end user, um, you know, uh, the teams that, that, that enable end users, this modern workplace team, you have more power today than you've ever had. You know, I've been working on this for 25 years in this area. We have more opportunity to influence and drive our organizations forward as a modern workplace um, set of leaders than we've ever, ever had before. So, so really step up and take advantage of that opportunity. You know, along those same lines of, of consolidation and alignment, you know, we announced Microsoft 365 a year ago, uh, and we just continue to see how that is changing what, what IT's expectations are and what mm -hmm. IT is asking to do. And we knew that would happen when we announced it a year ago. Uh, you know, in fact, we talked about, you know, four or five years from now, we're going to reflect back on the announcement of Microsoft 365 like we did 25 years ago with Office about how it just fundamentally transformed what, mm -hmm. what IT needed to do and what expectations users had, and we're seeing that. And so I saw time and time again, customers would tell me, well, we were deploying Office 365, now we're deploying Microsoft 365 because we want that whole stack for both end user empowerment and simplified management and security. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then, you know, along those same lines, I usually don't like to talk much about um, organization and structure, but, but last week we announced one of the most significant 
organizational change we've ever made at Microsoft. Yeah. And I think the key thing for everyone here is going to be interested in is, you know, we have this Microsoft 365 product. You have organizations aligning into a modern workplace. Well, now at Microsoft, we have one team that's responsible for delivering Microsoft 365. We've brought together all of the leadership, all the engineering team, which I can tell you is going to dramatically simplify the ability to deliver that integrated, wonderful user experience. And so, you know, I now report to Rajesh Jha, and he has the responsibility for Microsoft 365. And I'll tell you, we sat in our first staff meeting last week, and I looked around the table at these people I've worked with, you know, many for, for the 15 years that I've been mm -hmm. here. And just what an opportunity we all realized we have to accelerate these integrated end-to-end -end scenarios across Microsoft 365. So I think all of your expectations on us should just go up and we'll continue to do better and even, and even better, better work in Microsoft 365. Yeah, I think it's actually a, a fantastic change for the organization. It brings us much more into, a, into that world that Sachi has been talking about for a long, long time, of being very, very customer focused and customer centered and customer obsessed. And it really does help us align to that. Yeah, and the biggest thing that's going to help us is just delivering those end-to-end -end scenarios. It's just easier when you're all, you know, have a common set of priorities, you've got a common set of, of planning milestones. Uh, so it's exciting. I mean, I got to tell you, I, I am more excited right now than I've been in the 15 years that I've been at Microsoft because I see, you know, we have the right offering. We see the alignment that's happening in customers. We have the right product. Mm -hmm. We have the right value. And we have the right organization structure to deliver it now. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah, and I noticed on LinkedIn, you actually have been at the company for 15 years. Yeah, 15 years. Um, it's been, you know, it's gone by fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just celebrated my 15th uh, year here at Microsoft. Um, what an, what an incredible opportunity, what an incredible place, what an incredible, um, I wouldn't have dreamed I've had the chance to do some of the things I've had to do here. So it's just, I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful for many, many customers and partners who I've had a chance to interact with, not only for the 15 years here, but because I was doing desktop and PC management before, it's been, it's a, it's a strong community. It's a community I love deeply. And speaking of desktop and PC management, I think we should switch gears into, into the, the technical um, yeah. side of things for this. Yeah, and that, sure. was, that was the other piece that I picked up on was, um, this desire to move to modern management for Windows is, is, is really beginning to accelerate. It still is, is relatively nascent. You know, if we take a look, for example, of all the Windows 10 devices that we're managing, you know, 95% of them are doing it through the traditional AD config manager. But the interest is there about how would I move this to the cloud? And Microsoft, how can you make that easier and simpler for me and faster? So let's talk a little bit about what we're doing there. Yeah, co-management is, the, uh, is the approach that we're taking to help move people there. So if you have your machines managed by um, configuration manager today. Which almost everybody does. Yeah, absolutely. In their on-premises environment, then we can actually enable cloud-based management through Intune using co-management. And it gives us some, um, some real advantages very, very quickly um, when you do that. So let's start to, um, to actually whiteboard a little bit of, of what this looks like from an architecture point of view. So we start off and we've got a, um, a configman server, which is in our on-premises environment. And obviously our configman server is going to be talking to some kind of client. Let's uh, draw a Laptop over here. I think you lost your calling in life. You should be, you should be an artist. I know. It, it does seem to be, uh, be that way. Um, <laughs> and then, obviously, our configman client has, a, has an agent on it. And configuration manager talks directly to that agent. And that's pushing down lots and lots of configuration. Right. It's pushing down resource access, maybe pushing down compliance settings. But then this device might be traveling outside of the office. And that's where we've, we've kind of architected the co-management solution to really be able to help. So what we can actually do in this situation is you stand up part of your Active Directory and you enable um, hybrid uh, Azure Active Directory domain join. And that means that your on-premises domain join clients, which obviously have a, a full trust with Active Directory, can then be trusted by Azure Active Directory. 
So Azure AD will appear up here. And once you've done the work to enable hybrid join, actually the next time that that PC reboots, it's actually going to make that connection up to Azure AD. And then it'll see, actually, I'm a, I'm a member of Azure Active Directory. I can access all of those resources. You'll get single sign-on to your Office 365 resources or anything else which is um, managed through Azure Active Directory. Then what we do inside of ConfigMan is we say, hey, you need to actually, ConfigMan client, tell this device to MDM enroll. And then our MDM enrollment goes off to Intune. And it's all automated. Yeah, nothing to actually do here. And Intune will say, hey, I'm going to manage you for some things. And then immediately at this point, without any configuration, you actually get some things um, as part of that kind of zero-day set of features. One of those things is the ability to send remote lock requests. You can send remote wipe requests, refresh requests, and reset requests down directly from Intune to the device, and they happen immediately. Yeah, and so you know, like you, you, the, the config manager to, to, to client, that, that um, architecture is a polling model, so once an hour, it'll pull for new policy. By adding the cloud and Intune, you now get immediate actions. I want to wipe that device right now. I want to do a lock on it right now. And so we add on immediate actions to the, the, the traditional polling model, which is awesome. Absolutely. And this means that you can still be doing things like um, application delivery yeah. from Configuration Manager, but doing that new stuff. That's an important thing. Not a single thing changes from the way that you're managing your PCs with Config Manager. You just get new value added from the cloud. Yeah. And one of the new things we also add is the intelligence that allows us to do conditional access from the cloud. So let's talk a little bit about yeah, that as well. Yeah, absolutely. So inside of ConfigMan, we actually have these sliders which allow us to do um, compliance policy, allow us to do endpoint protection, allow us to do resource access, so the ability to provision things like Wi-Fi profiles, um, certs, those kind of things. And also, um, we have the ability to do um, uh, compliance, endpoint, resource. Uh, there's one other thing which is escaping me at this point in time. Updates. Updates, that's it. Thank you. Updates. And that's the fourth thing that's in the tool to now. Over the next six months, you're going to see eight or nine more come in. Absolutely. And that's, the, that's where the, the power of this really comes in. Very, very simple and streamlined and easy to use. And then we have these sliders. And for each one of these, um, these options, we can actually start to move that workload from our on-premises configuration manager environment over into our Intune environment. So we can say, let's move compliance policies just to be over inside of Intune. And then what happens is that the client knows I'm actually responsible for telling Intune about the compliance state of my device. So the client can say, oh, have I um, got policy that tells me that I need to be encrypted? And it's going to do that check. Now, if you're in a traditional ConfigMan environment where everything was being run through ConfigMan, you'd be waiting until that device can actually talk back to the ConfigMan servers again before we can. And if it's outside of the firewall, you got to wait until it's until the VPN's back in. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the that's the the huge advantage here with um, with compliance policy being in the cloud. You really do get the identity as the control plane. Yeah. And one of the interesting things about this that that I really just want to really really emphasize is, you get immediate value by just turning on co-management without changing a single one of your processes. You get things like. You know, the, the immediate action we talked about, you get conditional access. But here's the one that, that maybe organizations or individuals haven't put, put the thought on yet. You know, today if you've got devices that are outside of the firewall and have not VPN'd in for say seven or 14 days, that will actually get flagged as being an unhealthy client in the administrative console. When it's actually not unhealthy, it just hasn't checked in because it's either off or the user's been traveling and hasn't had a need to VPN. Mm -hmm. 
Well, now the devices are talking to Intune continually throughout the day. Intune and Config Manager are constantly talking with, with each other. And so as the, the devices are checking with Intune, Intune is also notifying Config Manager, hey, this device is, is, is online, it's compliant, it's configured. And so what happens is that report that I've always personally struggled with, it says, you know, here are the unhealthy clients. Mm -hmm. Will actually be a, an actual report of unhealthy clients going to take out all of the clients that just haven't checked in because they're roaming. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that's immediate value. You get a, a true denominator now of, of, you know, if you do have unhealthy clients. Yeah. And you can sort of move to other things over like updates as well so that they'll be flowing across yeah. the internet. And one of the other interesting things to really point out here, this concept of co-management, what, what, what you've just drawn here, in this model, Intune and Config Manager are constantly talking with each other. Mm -hmm. And when you move that slider bar, we actually change the authoritative source from Config Manager to Intune or vice versa. And then what that allows us to do is ensure that there are no conflicts because when you move that slider bar to Intune, Intune can only now set those attributes on the users or on the devices and mm -hmm. Config Manager can no longer do it. That's unique to the co-management of Intune and Config Manager. That doesn't exist if, if, if you're using a different EMM solution and trying to integrate that quote unquote with Config Manager because it, it doesn't do that. Yeah, there's just no way to tell yeah. um, Config Manager that it doesn't need to do that thing. So it's going to be very, very now, confusing. Now one of the interesting you. things here is, okay, this is awesome. How hard is it to enable? Well, that's actually the thing. There's literally just four clicks. <laughs> in I love this. Set up. So yeah. uh, let's with, take eight, with 1802, as we updated Config Manager, we literally have now taken down what it takes to enable co-management to just four clicks of the mouse. And just to make sure everyone understands, when you enable co-management, we will automatically enroll all of your devices into AAD and into Intune. Mm -hmm. And it only takes four clicks of the mouse. Yeah. And so this is a Config Man environment, which I've already pre-configured. Um, so we can see that we have a, uh, a co-management um, profile in here. The only difference between configuring a profile for the first time and going through um, the properties for the configuration is that you have to provide the, um, the Intune tenancy details up front um, when you run the wizard. So once we've done that, we have a situation where here we're saying, okay, we're going to automatically enroll all devices that are inside of Configman into Microsoft Intune as well. We can switch that around so we could say that it's just going to be our pilot collections that get used for, um, for being created inside of Intune. And lots of customers are, are doing this to help them phase their migration. Then from within our workloads, this is where we get to select those sliders and move them into the right location. So here you can see that for this organization, we're actually doing our Windows update policies are actually coming directly from Intune, the same with our endpoint protection policies. And on this one here, the, the two that we see organizations adopting the fastest are the compliance policies because they want to set conditional access for all of their devices, and this mm -hmm. adds the ability to do that for Windows. And then endpoint protection, we just talked about that. You know, they want to do their endpoint protection from the cloud with Intune. And so those are the two that we see organizations moving the slider bar the fastest on. Yeah, absolutely. It's the, it is definitely the place where, um, where people are seeing the, the most immediate value at the moment. And then finally, we can actually go and select which configman collections are going to be used to, as part of that pilot group so that you can stage your migration um, over to co-management. Once we've done that, I just want to give you a quick view of um, what things look like inside of, um, inside of the console from the point of view of what you can do around your compliance settings. So let's go into device compliance, and then let's go into our policies. And we'll create a new policy. We'll just do a very quick Windows 10 policy here. Set Windows 10. And then here we can very quickly start to pull in the settings that we can use for um, determining whether or not a device is healthy. So we can say, okay, or rather whether or not a device is compliant. Is BitLocker turned on? Do we have Secure Boot turned on? Do we require code integrity? We can set all of these across to, to the positive. There we go. Um, 
do we require any um, integration with our MTD, our mobile threat defense? We can say the same kind of things for the properties of the device. So how are we going to manage the OS versions? Do we need to be on a, a particular version of Windows? And then finally, we can set our, um, our system security settings. So we can go very, very granular on these policy settings that it will allow or disallow this user, a user on this device, access to the services that are managed through Azure Active Directory. Very, very powerful set of capabilities directly built into um, identity as our control plane. Yeah, and to kind of give a little bit of data on this for everyone to understand, today conditional access is the most used service or the most used value of EMS. Mm -hmm. And in fact, of all the devices that are being managed by Intune, more than 70% have conditional access turned on. Now, that's to date, that's a lot of iOS and Android devices. And what Simon just showed here is just how easy it is now to go and add the power of the Microsoft Cloud to your Config Manager deployment. That's the way I want everyone to think about it. As you enable co-management, you are bringing the power and the intelligence of the Microsoft Cloud to your Config Manager deployment. We think about our cloud, and Intune is the edge of your Config Manager deployment. Mm -hmm. Then you get the ability to apply all the intelligence that then backs up conditional access to help drive it across Windows. And as I see organizations enabling conditional access, they want to do it for all devices, so Windows, iOS, Android, Mac. And that's what Microsoft Intune and Microsoft EMS is able to do. It's the only solution that has the ability to, 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 to define that across all the, all the platforms. Yeah, and it's all available today. Everything shipped in 1802 for Configuration Manager. You so can go turn it on. So here's a challenge for everybody. You know, I really, I really want to see people taking advantage of the new uh, value with co-management. And so, you know, we have a hashtag that's called hashtag just for clicks. And so here's what I'm asking you to do. When you go turn on co-management, tweet me or reach out in LinkedIn and say, hey, at Anderson, I just, I just enabled co-management. Mm -hmm. It literally was hashtag just for clicks. I'll tell you, if you do that, we'll send you a really cool sticker that says just for clicks on it that you can, that you can put onto the back of your laptop and PC. That's going to be one of those, I think, badges of honor that we'll see people walking around Ignite with that says, hey, I am all in. I'm taking advantage of all the power of the cloud of Microsoft and my Config Manager deployment. And it literally is just for clicks. Yeah, I think it's going to be it's pretty cool. It's awesome that we're going to give, uh, give folks a little, little sticker for that. And if they're on the laptops at Ignite, maybe we can do something extra for them at Ignite. Oh, that's well. a good idea, too. That's, a, that's, that's a great idea. Thought. So, Config Man um, and co management available right now. We also had a, a pretty busy month for lots of other features inside of Intune and EMS that are going to unblock a lot of customers. Yeah. Um, the first one of those, I think, is around Exchange. Yeah, you know, the number one blocking issue that has been blocking, you know, literally millions of, of, of deployments, millions of, of nodes have been deployed into EMS, has been taking the innovation that we've done in Exchange Online around conditional access and data loss prevention and enabling that with Exchange On-Prem and Outlook. Mm -hmm. You know, and so just to kind of put everything into perspective here, we are a cloud-first organization, so we innovate in the cloud, but we also understand organizations are going to be hybrid for as long as we can see into the future. Mm -hmm. And so the architecture is innovate in the cloud and then bring that architecture or bring that innovation on-prem. And that's exactly what we've done. And we released this on March 30th, which is Exchange on-prem, so Exchange 2013 and Exchange 2016, now have the innovation that we built where we really integrated EMS and conditional access into Exchange Online. That is now available with Exchange on-prem, again, for 2013 and 2016. And what that allows is all the things that you've seen us demoing for the past two to three years where you can manage where users save data at. You can manage copy and paste. You can do conditional access where if the device and the identity is not compliant or if there's a higher risk factor on it, you block access. We can now do that against native exchange mm -hmm. in the same way that we do it against exchange online. Literally the number one blocking issue that has been waiting, uh, that organizations have been waiting for. Uh, like as an example, financial organizations and some of the healthcare organizations that haven't quite um, got their move to Office 365 going, 
they now get all of the conditional access value in that Outlook to Exchange uh, that we've been talking about for years with their on-prem deployment. It's a big deal. It's yeah. a really, really big deal. It really, really is. And I've been close to this for, for quite a long time. Yeah, you've led all the efforts on this one, actually, yeah, with the customer efforts. A lot of customers through um, the process. And actually, the, the, the fantastic thing about this is there's just no difference between managing Exchange Online and managing Exchange on-premises in this model. Everything just works. It just applies. Very, very um, streamlined way of configuring and setting this up. And actually, the value just starts landing immediately. You know, so if you are an Exchange on-prem customer, I'm sure that you've had that conversation with, man, I love what, what Microsoft is talking about, this integration with O365 and EMS, but I'm still an, an Exchange on-prem. And even for customers who have gone to Office 365, some have contracts or have regulations where a number of their users have to remain on-prem. You now can take advantage of all of that conditional access, all that data loss prevention that we've been demoing for years with your on-prem exchange deployment. It's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful solution to get into the market. And again, we released it on, on March 30th. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that we also released um, this month, which I think uh, helps to tie into that, is that we had a lot of kind of feedback from customers around um, compliance settings. And one of the things was that um, where, with compliance settings, if you don't have a policy applied to a device, we've previously considered that that device was compliant. That's right. Um, because the impact of not doing would be that potentially you could cut off a lot of your devices from being able to, to talk to your services. So one of the changes that we've actually made with um, device compliance recently is that we've now got the ability for you to be able to toggle on whether or not a device without policy is considered to be compliant or non-compliant. It's a really, really big change. We're going to be very careful here. We didn't want to just change all of your devices across to being non-compliant. That would have been uh, basically... Your call us on that one. Yeah, we would, have, we would have probably seen the calls volume uh, shoot up there pretty quickly. So we've added that capability um, very recently. And whilst we're here, we've also um, added the ability to do enhanced jailbreak detection. Um, so lots of customers have been kind of saying to me, is there a way that we can um, increase the frequency of jailbreak detection? So we've actually added the ability to um, tie into the location services on mm -hmm. iOS. And just by selecting this box here to enable enhanced jailbreak detection, that's exactly what I'm enabling. So that will now allow the iOS devices to, um, to check in a little bit more frequently um, to tell us that they are, um, whether or not they've been jailbroken or not. Mm -hmm. So let's go over and show my iPhone here. And this, this, is a, this is actually my personal iPhone that's enrolled with Microsoft. Um, we uh, released um, a new version of Company Portal. Um, you know, if I'm being honest, the existing, co the existing Company Portal was a little it was a little clunky. I wasn't real proud of the, of, of the, uh, of the experience of it. And so we, we rewrote it, and we wrote it into the same kind of a, kind of a user experience and information architecture uh, that Outlook is. You know, Outlook is by far the most commonly used app of the, the Microsoft Office on mobile devices. And so what you're looking at here now is the new experience. You know, I can see what apps are available that I can provision out of my device. I can see what devices are registered, and I can see if they're healthy or not. Um, if I want to be able to interact with the help desk, I have the number, I have the phone number here, as well as the email address. And then there's also a way for, um, for IT to be able to, 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 uh, to uh, communicate with me. But I love what we've done here where you can also come in here and say, hey, well, what can Microsoft see? Because you know, one of the concerns that users have when, when they get their devices enrolled, if they're personal devices, is, is IT going to snoop on me? And so right here, you can say, hey, Microsoft can never see your call and web history, your email and text messages, contacts and calendars, passwords, photos. 
And this is all about helping, under, helping users understand that we're just trying to protect the company data mm -hmm. and we're not trying to, to invade personal privacy. And so you have all these, you know, all these new capabilities and this wonderful experience that again mimics and mirrors the Outlook experience. And so you kind of see that information architecture becoming consistent across Microsoft 365. So I'm really happy with the work that we've done in Company Portal. I think it's a, it's a beautiful experience now. And you know, throughout that demo, obviously that you were showing the Microsoft Company Portal, that's your, your own device. So that's just going to be reflecting your company's branding um, inside of any customer that's, right. that's actually doing that. It's not going to say right. Microsoft, it's going to say Contozoi. Mm -hmm. um, and and even Contozo. colors, like we're hearing from customers, like my company has a very specific orange mm -hmm. or a very specific blue, you know, and I want that color because that's, that's part of our identity. Yeah, and we actually, that's one of, the, one of the new features that we actually implemented this month is the ability to use hex codes to, um, to specify any color yeah. inside of the company yeah. portal. So, uh, so pretty incredible stuff. Um, there's a whole lot more in the What's New. Go take a look at it. I'll link to it in the uh, in the notes for the show. Um, I think you're off on another trip very, very soon. To see some more yeah, customers. I'll be in Europe uh, uh, next week. So I'll be in, in France for a day. I'll be in Amsterdam for a couple of days. And I'll be uh, in, in Munich and Frankfurt, um, meeting with partners, meeting with customers, meeting with our field. Um, it, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite weeks of the year and one of my favorite weeks of the quarter to get out and just, just spend this time. So I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, we get together a month from now. Mm -hmm. We've got some interesting things we'll talk about. Announcements are coming out at RSA. Yep. Uh, really interesting new value we're going to talk about there. I'll talk about, you know, what I learned over, the, over the previous, um, or this previous, or this, what, what I've learned in this set of customer visits in, in Europe. Um, and there's, there's, some, there's some significant things coming that we're going to talk about. It's, it's amazing to see how much innovation is coming. Yeah, I can't wait for the show after RSA so that we can talk about some of those yeah, things. And one other thing, you know, Ignite registration just opened up. It did. You know, it, right. It's going to sell like it has in previous years, so I'd encourage everyone to get signed up for that. You know, we had a, we had a ball last year driving the golf cart around. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure how you're going to talk driving the, the golf cart around. I don't know. I've got to say I got dizzy driving it around for three hours. <laughs> uh, but we've got to do something there. So I look forward to seeing everybody at Ignite and just really encourage you to get registered now. Cool. Thank you very much for, uh, for watching the show. If you want to stay up to date with everything that we're doing as it happens inside of um, Microsoft 365, probably the best thing to do is to follow Brad. Your handle on Twitter is... At Anderson. And my Twitter handle is at SciMonster. So follow us on those, um, those locations and also subscribe to the show wherever you um, see the show being published. And we will see you next time on the Endpoint Zone.